Welcome to this episode of Care You, where we challenge and encourage listeners to be intentional and embed a practice of reflection into your caregiving. It is our intention that the contents of this podcast are accessible and meet you where you are on your caregiving journey in a non-blaming and non-shaming way. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the show. show. Hey, Stephanie. Hi, Don. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. Um, so I have a question for you. Okay. Um, do you ever yell at your kids? Mm, sometimes. Not very often, but I, I do have to be honest and say that I have yelled at my children. Yes. You? Uh, yes. I, I, I'm with you. Like I, my wife is not a yeller. I'm really not a yeller, but there are times where I just couldn't handle it. And I think I would, you know, kind of blow up. So that's what this episode is going to deal with. Yeah. Interesting that you ask. I, I did find an expert that's going to help our caregivers learn more about yelling or less yelling, I should say. <laughs> um, I was super excited to come across Sheila McCraith, um, and she is going to introduce herself and then share with our listeners something called the Orange Rhino Challenge, which I'm very excited to learn more about. So welcome, Sheila. We're super glad that yeah, you're welcome. in the studio with us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, yeah, so I created this crazy challenge, or that's at least what my mom called it, called the Orange Rhino Challenge. I have four sons who at the time were five and under, and it was my commitment to go 365 days straight without yelling at them. I had been busted by a handyman yelling at them one day, and it just clicked that while the handyman had been in my house doing all this work, I didn't yell at my kids because I was so worried about what he thought of me. I'm like, time out. He's going to leave when the project's over and I'm never going to see him again. His opinion doesn't matter. But my four sons, their opinion is the one that matters the most to me. So after some deep reflection, I'm like, something has to change. This is not who I want to be. It's not who I expected to be. Um, it really didn't align with my values of who I was as a person. So I made a commitment to figure out how to stop yelling. Um, I did succeed. I went 520 days without yelling. That was 10 years ago. But the biggest takeaway, and I think I wrote a book called Yell Less, Love More. And the reason it's called Yell Less is yelling happens. We are all human. We can do everything right and learn all the tools. But sometimes life is really hard and it a yell just happens. Um, I do yell. Now it's been 10 years since it's not like I go wake up and say, I'm going to yell at my kids today, but they slip out on really bad days. Like, you know, it's the holiday season. There's just more stress. Um, but I still aim to have more loving moments than yelling moments. I love that. I want, I want to know more about the 500 and plus days. So can you just take us in, what did you have to do to keep that going or how did you do that? Well, at first, um, I'm a very analytical person. I just tracked like when and why I yelled. I used good old-fashioned post-it notes. I kind of just carried them with me. If I yell, like, I just went through all the details. The more details, the better. You know, what time of day it was. Was I hungry? Was, you know, um, was I tired? Was I thirsty? You know, was it hot? Just trying to create a whole picture of what was happening in that moment. I even sometimes wrote what my kids were doing. Why? Well, I thought my kids were the reason I yelled. Um they aren't. It was really me. And then I just started looking at the trends, right? You know, what is actually going on? What are the themes? And then I realized, okay, these are my triggers. These are the times of day when I'm yelling. Okay. Getting out to school on time. Definitely a time of day that I yelled <laughs> a lot, right? 
where's my backpack? I didn't do my homework. I can't mm -hmm. find my shoes. I don't have my lunch. So once I knew some of the trigger points, that's when you can plan. That's when you can actually figure out what can I do differently? Okay. Backpacks have to make sure they're by the door, you know, put checklists for my boys, um, where it can help them get ready. So it took a lot of tracking, a lot of work. Tracking does take work. It takes remembering to do it. Um, but the beauty is once you start realizing that you can yell less, that it is achievable, you get the momentum and you naturally start going, you become calmer and it is just that much easier to yell less because it becomes part of your day. You're not as reactive because you're naturally calmer. The, wow. There's a lot of stuff there that I want to <laughs> ask about the tracking. I mean, we talk about that as we're both in in like instructional coaching roles as well in the district. Uh, Stephanie does a lot with SEL. I mean, we encourage teachers to track things. I mean, that's how yep. we can kind of figure out. But the one thing you said that even though I know it, that it was not your kids that were causing you to yell, it was you. Mm -hmm. That I think... When people step back from that, I think they would probably say, oh, I never yeah. thought about it that way. I yell because my kids make me yell, but you're saying, no, that's not it at all. It's not. And that is the, it is the single hardest thing to hear and to say, no one wants to look in the mirror, right? We all, well, my kids made me yell. Well, we can just be real literal for a second. Did they open your mouth and make you yell? They did not. Yes, they're frustrating. Yes, their behavior can be frustrating and it can push you over your limit. I always tell my kids when someone is mean to them, people give out what they're feeling within, right? So it's not personal. If I'm having a bad day, if I had, you know, perhaps a fight with a friend or something bad happened at work or I'm really tired, you are not in a good place when your children stress you out. So you can't bring your A game to a stressful moment, right? And that's why we yell. Because we're not, we're not in our best place, right? Um, and, and the key is knowing that, yes, your children are making it harder to yell less. You know, the other thing I go by is behavior is communication. So knowing that you're not in a great place and knowing that your children are understandably making it harder <laughs> to not yell, why are your kids acting in that way, right? Because it's, it's both and. Some situations, it's just the parent. Like we're just in a bad place and we have to own it. Other times the children's behavior has been relentless all day. And in those situations, you have to say, okay, time out. What are they trying to tell me with their behavior? What are they giving out, right? Why, why are they struggling? And then, you know, we can, again, doing that tracking and that awareness, um, then we can act and move forward without yelling. I love, I love all of what you're saying. What I, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on is you mentioned that you tracked and you found some common trends and themes in what I would call skills that were lacking in executive functioning that were probably yep. very developmentally appropriate at that time. So they needed visuals, they needed boundaries, they needed those types of things. So I haven't, um, I'm going to read your book over break, but I haven't yet. But is that something that you address in the book is just being, we, we sometimes, at least I'm guilty, I have expectations that once I am self-aware, I'm like, oh, maybe my child just isn't there yet. Um, so mm -hmm. I need to put some scaffolds in place Is, or do you have supports in your book for that? You know, I don't specifically talk about that, but you're absolutely right. And it's, it's for the children, but also us adults. We don't know, 
you know, you don't get a manual for parenting. We don't know what we don't know about parenting until you're in the situation. So it's almost, it's also our own lack in skills, our own lack in executive functioning at the same time. So I focus more on myself, but it is for the children. You know, a lot of the times we're expecting more of them than they can give, you know, and likewise, we're expecting them to behave in a way, forgetting that they too are humans you know, they are humans just like us. Treat others as you want to be treated. It goes the same for children. Like, yes, we are the parent, but if we want them to be loving and cooperative, we need to connect with them. They're going to connect with us. You know, children want to do well. I do truly believe that. Um, so when we work with them in a calm, loving, connected way, you're going to find that you actually don't need, and I say need to yell because a lot of people think, oh, I need to yell to get them to listen. Actually, if you get quieter and you lean in and you make eye contact and you connect, you don't need um, in, you know, in quotations to yell. Um, the kind of supports in the book, I have a tracking sheet that I used back then. I have a more developed one now that I have. Um, I talk a lot about some of the common triggers, again, like the getting out the door, um, taking care of me, right? A lot of people think that self-care is selfish, um, it's the exact opposite. We have to take care of ourselves because again, it's the whole oxygen mask on the airplane, put on your oxygen mask first so that you can take care of your kids. Um, I talk a lot about that. I talk about grouping the triggers into kind of different buckets. One of the biggest things is some of the bigger triggers. Um, let's say your child has a, a diagnosis of ADHD or a really difficult di a health diagnosis, you can't necessarily change it, but you have to learn to accept it. Um, so I talk about those types of triggers and how you can learn to accept things so that they don't push you over the edge. Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking about that idea of the quiet voice, the, and then I was thinking about the whole, the word role model just kept coming into my head because what I think my wife and I realized, I don't know at what age, I have a 26-year-old and a 31-year-old, so this has been quite a while ago, but it was that idea of we don't want them to grow up and do the things that we don't like that we were doing as a parent. And so right. I think that's a part also that many caregivers are worried about. It's like, I don't want to yell because I don't want them to yell. But I would notice I, if I did yell, the reaction back from my kids was a yell. And it, it, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll never forget one day one of my sons yelled at me because they were frustrated. And I'm like, I really didn't like how that feel. And I was like, oh, my gosh, light bulb moment. I'm like, yep. yeah, that doesn't feel good. It doesn't, and I say to people, if you're having a hard time understanding why yelling isn't productive, I want you to think of a time in the workplace when you were yelled at. Did it motivate you to want to work harder for your boss? Probably not. Um, I know there's a lot of old school thinking that yelling is okay, and I just challenge people to think of a time in their life when they were yelled at. How did it make you feel? It probably make you felt you know feel shamed, smaller unmotivated or scared. And if you were scared and you operated out of that, did you actually learn? Yelling shuts people down. The brain cannot learn. When a child is misbehaving, the whole goal is you either have to de-escalate the behavior, right? So that you can you can then learn. Yelling, yelling doesn't move you forward. 
it, it just, it gets you more stuck in the moment. Well, and it is that idea of, like, I can't think of the last time professionally that I've been yelled at. Like, I, I mean, I can't even pinpoint mm-hmm. a time, but I think about that idea of the number of people in our society that they are, they're hearing their ears, things are reverberating off of their ears, but they are not listening to each other. And I Mm -hmm. think the more you elevate your voice, the more it just shuts down. Like if I'm watching, I'm a social studies nerd, so I watch news a lot, but there are times I just shut down when I hear people and they're like yelling back and forth. It just, Mm -hmm. it makes me uncomfortable. And so, yeah, I don't think there's a question there. It would be like a tracking (laughs) for you. Like it, is there certain subjects or certain postures? It's kind of what she's saying. Yeah. If you're, when you said the word lean in, I could actually picture how beautiful that is. You know, it's that empathy bridge, like coming together instead of my arms crossed stature, standing over my kids saying, you're going to do whatever, get your lunch together. We got to go. And, and believe me, I mean, I've had my moments of like, Running late is hard for me. I would say that's a trigger because then I know I'm my expectation for somebody else is being let down and it's just the whole thing. Um, so I was just loving the leaning in. And I think really this is for caregivers, but honestly, it could be for anyone. Just like for anyone, the strategies and I mean, things. It's just human interaction, right? Like human kindness. I mean, even for the Starbucks, right? I mean, it's just learning. Just be kind and be patient. I mean, just recently my son was going to a prom and his suit pants were missing. And I was kind. And the guy literally said to me, thank you for not yelling at me. So many other people yeah. would have. And as a result, I got a free suit mm-hmm. because I didn't yell. I mean, it really, once you learn to yell less, part of the love more, it, it's, it's cliche, cheesy, whatever you want to call it. You love You love life more. You love time with your kids more. You love yourself more because you're not beating yourself up anymore. I find so many people, like when they're struggling with yelling, they think they're the only one yelling. Not the case. A lot of people struggle with it. Um, So it takes a lot of work to do all the tracking and to do the self-work and to admit that it's not just the kids. It takes so much work, and I, I get that. But it's so worth it because life really does become uh, – it becomes better. Um yeah, and I can, I mean, yeah, I mean, did you have times where in order to process, you just had, was stepping away? Is that part of the strategy? Because I'm thinking that was probably my number one strategy. Like, okay, it's probably not going to be best to deal with this right now. I think we all need to cool down. Is that a strategy that you used? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Especially with teenagers. Um, I have a 17 and a 15 year old. Um, I step away a lot. And, you know, one of the things I make sure to do is is I model it, you know, a lot of scaffolding, but I I talk out loud and I see my, I see my teens doing it now. I'll say, I need a break. I'm feeling like I'm starting to get all worked up. I don't want to yell at you. I'm going to go take a break. It's not you. It's me. I will come back so that we can have a productive conversation. And I said that in kid terms when they were younger. And my my 17-year-old will say that to me now. And it, it's it's beautiful. So, you know, I take a break. Sometimes I would stand in front of the freezer, the cold air, you know, just whatever. Mm. Sometimes I would yell, you know, yell in my closet. Because you do still, if you're that worked up, the yell does have to be released. Um, you know, go exercise. Sometimes I would do push-ups. You know, just the heavy, my sons were in OT. 
the heavy work does wonders for the body. Um, jumping jacks. Sometimes I would just say silly words because my kids were younger. I'd go, ooga schmooga booga, just to be, you know, just silly. Um, talk like a robot, just to change up the mood. Music, you know, um, when you start to track your triggers, the next step is paying attention to your body. Can you tell when the um, when the yell is growing? You know, are your is your heart racing? Are your hands sweating? Are you talking in a louder but not yelling voice? Because if you can do that, that's like the next level, you know, for video game talk, right? Mm -hmm. Then you can say, okay, what's my plan of action? I need cold water. I need this song. I need to get some fresh air. Like, what do I need to do so that I don't even get to the stage of needing to walk away? So I have a question for you. These are all amazing strategies and I think really powerful for the, our listeners who can take time to reflect. What about the caregiver that says, I don't even have time, I can track, but then how do I get myself into a space where I can have the brain space to reflect? Is there, do you have any strategies on that? My first thing would, there's two things and it's going to sound crazy. Make sure you're getting enough water and sleep. That, that would, that would just be the all. first thing. Um, and I know everyone's like, I can't, I, I can't sleep because I need to stay up late. I need to get this done. Trust me. I'm a single mom to four boys. If you are not sleeping and you're not rested, it's hard to do everything. Um, drinking enough water, you actually will feel better. Um, I know it sounds like I'm preaching to the choir, but I learned this the really hard way. Once you have those two things, everything else starts to be better. And even then, if you're like, okay, I don't have enough time, start with one minute. Just take one minute to sit and just think about, okay, what is one thing that makes me even like happy? What's one thing that makes me feel good? What's one thing that makes me smile? And just start planning that into the day. And the reason why I'm saying that is because then you're building your inside, right? So you're starting to get into a better place. That's kind of building your armor, so to speak, so that when you get to that tense moment, you're in a better place. So you're, if you don't have time to do the tracking, you don't have the time to figure out what's pushing you, then you can at least figure out how to put yourself in a better place for the tough moments. Um, Cause everyone has time for their favorite drink at, you know, Starbucks. Everyone has time for their favorite song or whatever it is that makes them happy. That's, that's a little less daunting. Yeah, I before we we always ask uh, this a final question, but before we get to that final question, that community or mutual support aspect when you say the the orange rhino challenge, I'm assuming that it was a community of people. And then, can you speak to the importance of that community aspect of this? It was, it was, it was huge. Um, I have a Facebook page called the orange rhino. Um, and just seeing other people agree and validate that you're not alone. There's, you, you just can't put a, a price on that. It's so validating, um, to have that support and, and to not feel just to not feel alone. So I would go on there and just share, share my progress. And even now my stories are a little bit different now, but I talk about, I talk about life and how I'm going through life and figuring out challenges. And I just have the support of people there. And when you have that camaraderie and you don't feel alone, it's so much easier just to keep going and to have hope and to know that it will get better and you can get through the day. Um, my website's 
in the process of being redone. Um, it's the orange rhino. Yeah, it's the orange rhino.com. And there will be a section on the challenge where it has kind of the steps you can take. Um, so that people can do it on their own. But again, the web, the Facebook page is a great place because you just see, you see that there are not, there are other people like you and you're not weird. You're not abnormal that yeah. you're, you're human, you know? I mean, that was the reason for us putting this podcast together is just when you feel alone. Well, I mean, it's kind of, you, you feel alone. Yeah. You don't you, I mean, you feel like what you're going through, maybe no one, you're alone because no one else is going through this. And the yeah. minute you break down those barriers of being able to be, we're big Brene Brown fans. Um, and yeah. And you um, are... Vulnerable. Vulnerable, thank you. Um, when you are vulnerable, <laughs> it causes other people to be vulnerable um, as well. So, Stephanie, do you want to ask the final question? I do. So we always ask our, our guests, how can I up the odds that my kids will be do great when I'm no longer around them? Oh, my gosh. I wonder that all the time myself. Um, believe in them. I, uh, oh, it's making me like tear up. I've got one kid who's struggled a lot and he wants to be, um, I I've believed in him when no one else has. And he has told me what a difference that has made. So remember that your kids are human, just like us. Behavior is communication believe in them, tell you, tell them how proud you are of them, tell you how much you believe in them. Um, if you yell, repair, say you made a mistake so that they know it's not them and that it's you. So they don't care. So they don't carry that on. Um, and just keep showing up and loving them and remembering that you're doing the best you can. Um, and I think that will make a world of a difference. That was beautiful. Thank you very yes. much. Yes, Sheila, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Care You and for showing up for the children in your care. Until next time.